Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Mel Kuyper Jr. in a half hour on the Goodyear hotline. Should be fun. Green list coming up in 15 minutes. The green list today is inspired by the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra. And I got great Sinatra stories for you as well. We will do that. Getting to this mock draft here. Plenty to get to. But I want to start by addressing a question that was just asked to me. We just did some calls and um, I took a question and I was asked, because you've heard me say a million times on this show and anywhere else I've been, that it is my fervent belief that far more young quarterbacks in the NFL are ruined than are developed. And a caller asked me a great question. Over the last, call it 10 or so years, which quarterback was the one that I thought had the most talent but wound up in a situation where his career was ruined by the circumstances. And and I said, I'm going to answer the question off the top of the hour because I needed to really look at the list and give it some thought. It was not something I wanted to just answer in knee-jerk fashion. I've written down three names here. And we have the draft from 2009 through 2016. These are the first-rounders, 22 total quarterbacks. Uh, Anyone more recent than that, it's, it's it's too soon to say that their careers have been ruined. Sam Darnold's career has not been ruined. He's 23 years old. So the quarterbacks that we name here are Matthew Stafford, Mark Sanchez, Josh Freeman, Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, Andrew Luck, RG3, Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Whedon, EJ Manuel, Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Paxton Lynch. Those are the QBs who went in the first round between 09 and 2016. 22 guys. There are three of them that I would say, based on completely different circumstances, had their careers, quote-unquote, ruined. The first is Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, I think, will make the Hall of Fame someday. I'm not positive of that. I need to sit and look at just what numbers he got to put up. But there isn't any question that Luck was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer someday. He was ridiculously good. And the utter incompetence of the previous regime, Ryan Grigson was the general manager, the nonsense that they put him through with terrible offensive line play and an offensive system that just had him standing back there and getting drilled left and right ultimately took all his joy out of the sport. He retired as prematurely as any athlete I can ever remember because he plays a position in the sport that is supposed to be protected. And he was the least protected-looking person you've ever seen. If Chris Ballard had been the general manager when Andrew Luck was, was playing quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, he'd be one of the three best quarterbacks in the sport right now. And they probably would have won a Super Bowl and maybe on their way to more. And Luck would be on his way to being a first ballot Hall of Famer. So that's the first one I come up with. The other two, so that's my number one. The other two, I would say, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill has had this renaissance in Tennessee. He hasn't just been good. He's been great. His numbers at least suggest he's great. Now, people like to downplay it because he's got the great running back in Derrick Henry. But the reality of it is his numbers suggest he's been great. And the only explanation I can think of for that is that when he was in Miami, the Dolphins went out and hired a brilliant offensive mind to try and develop him. A fellow by the name of Adam Gase. And the second Tannehill got away from Gase, he became a great quarterback. So you can't really say he's been ruined, 
But I think the perception of him has been like people, you never get out of your head the idea that you think he was a bust. The reality is he wasn't a bust. The coaching was just bottom level. The third one I will mention, and this is going to make everyone yell at me, is Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was drafted in the first round by the Denver Broncos. When Tim Tebow got the chance to be their quarterback, long before the Baltimore Ravens had designed an offense that worked for Lamar Jackson or anything else, no one wanted to design that offense for Tebow. They plugged him in on a bad team in Denver because they wanted to prove he couldn't do it. And it didn't look pretty most of the time. But do you know what he kept doing? He kept winning. He kept winning football games. And what I will never know, and we will never know, is if someone had decided to build an offense around Tebow, as Bob Greasy suggested, let me go back. Bob Greasy, who was then doing college football games for us at ESPN, ABC, came on Mike and Mike in studio, I'll never forget it, at a time when all the debate was about whether or not Tebow should go in the first round. And he said, if you put him in the right offense, if you build an entire offense around him, to maximize what he does well, he can succeed in the NFL. And I said, Bob, would you do that? And he said, yes, I would. It's Bob Greasy, Hall of Fame quarterback. So Denver didn't want to do that. He came in, won a playoff game, beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Then they go out and they get Peyton Manning. If Tim Tebow had gone to a place that wanted him, that wanted him to be a quarterback, that tried to allow him to be a quarterback in the way Baltimore has maximized the skill set of Lamar Jackson. And I'm not comparing the two, but Tebow was a first-round pick, and he was a Heisman winner, and he was one of the greatest college players ever. I would love to see what would have happened if he got a chance to be a quarterback. But the Jets had no interest in him being a quarterback. The owner, who loves to stick his nose in where it doesn't belong, wanted a star. He loves stars. That's the same owner who brought you Brett Favre. He loves going out there and getting famous people. No one more famous than Tim Tebow. So he went out and he traded for Tim Tebow, even though the coaching staff, Rex Ryan, had no interest in having Tim Tebow play quarterback. It went a long way towards ruining Sanchez, and they never gave Tebow a chance to play. They fattened him up like a Christmas goose and turned him into a personal punt protector, which isn't a thing. That isn't something that exists in the NFL. That's not a full-time job. So that ruined Tebow. He, that was his chance to be a quarterback in the NFL. And I don't know that he would have been a successful one. And most of the evaluators will tell you that he couldn't have been. But we'll never know. And I've always felt a little bad for him that he didn't get a chance to try. So those are the names that jump to mind. But the most obvious one is Andrew Luck whose career was shortened by the utter ineptitude of the people running the franchise that he was playing for. They almost got him killed. He's a guy who should still be out there being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Uh, I did want to pass along this note because I know people were talking about it and speculating about it. I know this is what happens in the world. I'm not fighting against it anymore. But when someone like Tiger Woods gets into a car accident and when there is some of the history that we have with Tiger, people will start speculating as to whether he was impaired while driving. I did want to pass along. The L.A. County Sheriff yesterday said Tiger Woods was, quote, not drunk when he crashed and that the crash was, quote, purely an accident. The sheriff said Tiger Woods, not drunk during the rollover that seriously injured the superstar. The single vehicle crash was purely an accident. 
I think if you're going to hear people speculating about it aloud, you might as well hear it when the sheriff says it isn't true. All right, I'm Greeny. Again, Mel is coming up. If you miss anything on the show, I'll remind you, I'm here two hours every day. I want you to be with me these two hours. But I understand that sometimes you are busy doing other things. So a reminder that this show is a podcast. Every single day they take each hour, they make it its own individual one-hour podcast. It is called Hashtag Greeny, and you can find it anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Mel on the way, but up next, the green list today, inspired by the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra. Don't miss it. You're going to love it. Next on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. Next week with Greeny. Yes, sir. You believe in miracles? Yes. This is still the highest rated game in NBA history. The voices behind the biggest moments in sports. There it is. A win for the ages. Rebound. Score. It all starts Monday morning with Greeny. Yeah, we got to do Broadcasters Week next week and have a bunch of legendary voices on the program each day next week. We'll have Vern Lundquist, Bob Costas, Jim Nance, Doc Emmerich and Al Michaels. So that should be a really special week next week as we work our way towards the busy part of the sports calendar. In 30 seconds, the green list is coming. And don't miss Mel in 15 minutes. His mock draft is fascinating. But a reminder, college basketball season rolling along. The Wendy's Wooden Watch is very much underway. And if you go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch, you'll see the list of the Wooden Award late season top 20 nominees. And one of them is Luca Garza. And he's playing tonight. He's the kid from Iowa. He's right now probably the best player in the country. And they're taking on Michigan, which might be the best team in the country. So that's a great game you'll see tonight on ESPN. The John R. Wooden Award is presented by Wendy's. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right. So here's one thing I'm learning. So all of us on our staff, we're all getting to know each other. Right before I came back to do this show, I didn't know the only member of the regular member of the radio staff that I knew was Bubba. So Nuno is the producer of this show. We never met before this, and we've only barely been in the same room because it's a pandemic. So I'm learning Nuno as I go. And if there's one thing I figured out about Nuno, he loves musical lists. I, I tasked him with putting together the green list for today. Every time I say Nuno. We need something on list for tomorrow. He always comes back with a musical idea. So I like it. So here's the jumping off point for the list. Today in 1995, at a private party for 1,200 select guests, 
on the closing night of his golf tournament, Frank Sinatra sang before a live audience for the very last time. The great, the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra. And I will tell you my Sinatra story coming up in a moment. But that got Nuno to thinking. Because one of the classic sports songs, if you've ever been to a Yankee game, the ball game ends and you hear the news being spread. And, and, and so the question is, is that one of the five best songs that you hear being played all the time at sporting events? This is today's green list, the five best songs played at sporting events all the time. All right, this one is obviously well-known, and it is well-ingrained in my mind. I can't even hear that song without hearing the voice saying, and now, because that was the theme of the Bulls forever. That's the Alan Parsons Project, Sirius. It was released in 1982. It was made famous by the Bulls. It has since been adopted by a bunch of other teams when they run out of their tunnels. The Spurs used it. The Saints used it at the Super Bowl in 2010. That is number five. That's going to be tough to beat. I had Nuno put together the list today. That's going to be tough to beat. That could easily have been a choice at the top because so many teams use it. Okay. A little ACDC is just fine with Greeny. We're all good here. Thunderstruck, released in 1990. The song has been regularly used in a number of stadiums for years, including the White Sox, the LA Kings, the OKC Thunder, and the Tampa Bay Lightning have all used it. ACDC Thunderstruck is number three on today's list of the best songs you hear at sports events all the time. DJ Darude is number three. This was first played at williams Bryce Stadium on a day when South Carolina was on the verge of upsetting the number four team in the country, the Ole Miss Rebels, and that is where it began. And now you hear Sandstorm by DJ Darude pretty much everywhere you go. That's number three on today's green list. Best songs that you hear at sporting events all the time. Now this is where I allowed Nuno to take over for me here. This is the White Stripes Seven Nation Army. It says on my sheet here it was released in 2993. I'm assuming that's a typo and you meant 1993. (laughs) Because I'm assuming this song was not released 800 years into the future. It was first used in October of 2003 at a UEFA Champions League game and then adopted by more teams in 2006. I will confess, that is not one that would have made the list had I been putting them together. But number one definitely would have. Queen, released in 1977. I'm the only member of the staff old enough to remember when this album came out. <laughs> I'm the only one on this, on this staff who has known this song as something besides something they play at sporting events. That's a great choice. It's an easy choice. And depending on your rooting interest, that is either the best or worst song you can hear when you go to a game at any time. I'm going to throw in one complaint. I'm going to throw in a complaint. I believe Sweet Caroline should have been on this list. I'm a 53-year-old man. Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline, which they play at the Red Sox games, should absolutely have been on this list. And I defy you, when that song is playing, not to get up and sing. I defy you, when Sweet Caroline is playing, not to get up and sing along. That's today's uh, green list of the top five songs that you hear at sporting events all the time. And again, it was inspired by the chairman of the board, the great Frank Sinatra. And quickly, I will tell you the story. I did get to see Sinatra live once. He came to Chicago when I was living there and working there. And played at the United Center. This was in the early 90s. It was before I met Stace. It was before 95. So it was probably, and that building opened, Billy Joel opened that, that, that arena. This had to have been like 94 or 95, I'm guessing. Either way, I went with my buddy Jesse Rogers to see Sinatra. And it was at times painful. Because he, he, he was obviously reading lyrics off of teleprompters they had like prompters set up all over the stage 
and he actually forgot the words in the middle of the song, My Way. He was singing My Way, and he said, regrets, I've had a few. And then he actually said, what the hell is it? And like 20,000 people all in unison yelled, too few to mention. But here's what I will tell you. Why it remains one of my favorite concerts I've ever seen for all what it, that it wasn't. There were a few moments, a few moments, and he was in his 80s by then. But there were a few moments where he hit a note. And in New York, New York actually is what I remember at that one moment where he goes, these little town, I can't do it. But you know the moment in the song I'm talking about. And he hit that like he was 30 years old again. And when I tell you that it could make you jump out of your seat, it was a, to hear him sing that live, when he hit those moments, it was as good as anything I've ever seen. So I've seen a lot of live music in my life. And, and I would not put that as one of the great concerts ever. I certainly would love to have seen him in the 60s. But even in that moment, even when he was no longer at anywhere near his best, there were a few moments from Sinatra that were unforgettable. And it was in this song in particular that was the absolute best. All right, it's a good list for today. Greeny with you again. We will continue in a moment. Mel Kuyper will join me live. His mock draft is out. It's fascinating. We're talking about it right after this on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. All the music you might hear at a ballpark today with me, Greeny, coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase. We are presented, as always, by Progressive Insurance. And right now, we are delighted to present the one, the only, Mel Kuyper Jr. on the Goodyear Hotline his second mock draft of the season is available right now on ESPN+. Plus. Hello again, Mel Kuyper. It's great to be with you, pal. It's always fun, and we had a great time this morning. But before we dive into it, the reason sure. that we got into this musical conversation today, because I was telling the story of when I saw Sinatra at the United Center. and we, I actually went back and found it. It was October 22nd, 94. And while he was, he was, I mean, he was quite old at the time, there were still some moments that you will never forget. He hit a couple of notes that you just couldn't, I, I can still mm-hmm. hear them in my head. So which got me to mm-hmm. thinking, here's a side of Mel you don't hear. What's your favorite concert you've ever been to? Of all the concerts you've been to, Mel, what was your favorite one? 
John Cougar Mellencamp back in uh, 88, I think it was, 1988. How's that one, Greeny? I love it. Where did you see him? At Meriwether Post Pavilion. Yeah, Meriwether Post Pavilion right here in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, yeah, great concert. That was pre-Kim, before I was a, as a year before I met Kim. That would have, actually, that would have been, yeah, 80, that was 88. 88, uh, I met Kim maybe four months later. So there you go. So that was a bachelor concert that you went to bachelor see. Bachelor concert, yes it was. <laughs> I love it. We got the music for you, too. Oh, her so good, <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, I love it. See, that's what's fun to do. All of you know, you, you, you've been watching Mel Kuyper on the draft for 40 years on it. You don't know that this is a well-rounded, fascinating man. I have the opportunity to get to know that. And so if we can and bring the last a little concert there. I was through, Greeny, the last one was Darius Rucker. Kim, Lauren, and I all went to, to see Darius. About a, that's about a year and a half, two years ago, I guess it was. He's great. He's terrific, yep. and he does country music now for the most part. Does he do the Hootie That was the- actually the Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Oh, you saw him, you saw when that, they they did the it, Hootie it, reunion. That was Hootie. That was Hootie and the Blowfish we uh-huh. saw. Yeah, that was, we had seen Darius once, and we saw, so yeah, we saw Darius as Darius only, and then Hootie and the Blowfish was actually the last one we went to. I love it. I'm going to have you evaluate some of these performances, by the way. At some point, I want you to talk about the upside <laughs> I want you to talk about the wingspan. I want you to talk about, you know, the versatility, <laughs> all that stuff. We got big boards uh, that cover the gamut, Greeny. So we can go <laughs> any big board you want. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's do this here. So w- w- what makes this one so much fun, and I opened the show today by saying I live for these mock drafts, and a lot of that comes with rooting for a, a perennially bad team. Um, but for the first time ever, you are projecting trades in here, and I think it's important to point out, one of the reasons that you foresee some teams making aggressive moves for quarterbacks mm-hmm. who you might not think desperately need one is projecting ahead to next year. Let's get into that a little bit here for the fans who haven't been following it. Yeah, I think you always have to look ahead and say, okay, if we don't get one of these guys, who are we looking at next year? And you look at Keaton Slovis, and you look at maybe Sam Howell, North Carolina. They're good, but are they going to be as good as these guys? And then you think ahead, there's a Clemson quarterback, right? DJ, I won't try to pronounce the last name, but DJ, the heir apparent to, to Trevor, who played really well in the Notre Dame game, uh, but I think the first Notre Dame game. But I think you look at, at that as saying, okay, we've we got to get one of these guys. If Trey Lance would have played another year at North Dakota State or done what I thought, would have been nice, would go to Texas or Ohio State and play one more year there, you're looking at the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft. So for those who think, well, Trey Lance is a reach, he only played one game, he wasn't impressive throwing it, project ahead to where he would have been had he played another year or had a full season this year. you got to be able to do that. And in Trey Lance's case, the talent's going to win out to allow him to be a top 10 pick. Now, the draft really starts at number two. We'll all have fun talking about Trevor Lawrence, who will go number one. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the intrigue begins at number two and for those who haven't seen it Mel's mock draft he has the Jets trading out of that spot Atlanta taking Zach Wilson at two and ultimately this means the Jets choosing to go forward with Sam Darnold so let me ask you the question this way if Sam Darnold was in this draft where would he go amongst the quarterbacks you know, if you say, well, coming out of USC, what we knew then, he'd have been right behind Trevor, guaranteed, okay? Knowing what you know now, it's a completely different dynamic for which you're going to have to maybe pay him. He's now, people say, well, he's beat up. Well, you know, Mono's no, no fault of his own and getting a shoulder injury, which he'll be fine. And, and he's shown flashes, I think, of a really good play on various occasions. So I think he would still be too. Because Zach Wilson's a one-year guy, really, at the level he played. He had the shoulder surgery in 2019. He played a cup 
cupcake schedule. So for just if you want to say Zach and Sam, I would have Sam Darnold ahead of Zach Wilson. Even what we know right now, certainly, and certainly coming out of USC, no question, his grade, in my opinion, would have been higher than Zach Wilson. Now, some would say if they want to push, you can push the grade anywhere you want. If you want to, if you love Zach Wilson, you think he's better than Trevor Lawrence, and I heard that from a couple uh, different you know, rumors you hear out there and speculation here out there. If you want to go that route, fine. But I think the consensus would be, strong consensus, that Sam Darnold will be the second quarterback in this draft. Tell me about Zach Wilson, because unlike a lot of these other guys, we've all seen a ton of Justin Fields, and we've all seen a ton of Mac Jones, because they play at Ohio State and Alabama. Zach Wilson plays at BYU, so most of the country has never seen him play at all, and he has sort of burst onto the scene, and all of a sudden people are using the name Patrick Mahomes as a comparison. What is Zach Wilson? Zach is a quarterback who came, I would say, out of nowhere this year, but he elevated his stock dramatically. We've seen that with Joe Burrow. We saw it certainly with Mac Jones at Alabama this year and others. But Zach was a wait and see. You, you saw him come off the shoulder injury in 2000, surgery in January of 2019, not play great in 19. You know, he had his moments, but he wasn't great. And then this year, boy, he started from the, the first game till the end, everywhere in between against, as I say, a lot of inferior opponents, and he lit it up. He's got a quick release. He's got a great arm talent, uh, very accurate. He can move around. He was a basketball player in high school. Uh, you know, he throws with all different arm angles, all that. I get that. The Mahomes comparisons to me are ridiculous, but that's just me. Um, I hate when people do that. Take the best quarterbacks and say the guy coming out is going to be that. But, you know, Trevor, to me, I can say for Trevor, you can say that the body of work over three years tells you what Trevor Lawrence can be. Zach Wilson had that one great year. So I think that's why I temper my enthusiasm just a bit when we start putting them way I have them way up there, Grinny, but I'm not about to say he's better than Trevor, and I'm not going to say he is one of the all-time great quarterbacks coming out of the collegiate ranks. As far as Trevor is concerned, sometimes I think we don't even talk about him because we all know he's going to go number one. But you have him listed as a generational prospect. We got into this a little bit on TV this morning, but not a lot because there doesn't seem like that much to say. But explain to everyone who was wondering, who has watched him, and maybe sometimes on the biggest of stages, not always playing his very best. Why are the scouts salivating over Trevor Lawrence? He doesn't lack anything. But you say, what does he have? It's, let's have to talk about what he lacks. He lacks nothing. He's got everything you want. People say, well, he was outplayed by Joe Burrow last year. He was outplayed by Justin Fields this year. It's not a one-on-one. This isn't, this isn't basketball. You know, this is a team. This is a sport where you need more than just one or two guys to dominate a game. And, and in football, he lost his offensive line, four or five starters. He lost all his key targets outside of Amari Rodgers. And Justin Ross was supposed to be his guy. And, then, of course, he was hurt. Uh, and they played a team that was better on, in the trenches. They, Ohio State was better in the trenches that game than Clemson was. So, again, and last year, certainly LSU was better. But I think when you look at Trevor, like I say, there's no negatives. There's no knock on him. To me, Greeny, when you look at all time in my 43 years of evaluating this stuff, I have John Elway had the highest grade ever for me. Andrew Luck was second. Peyton Manning was third. And Trevor Lawrence will be fourth ahead of Jim Kelly, who was now fifth. So that's the top five. You say, where's the bust? I had Andre Ware. Was, a bit, was one of my highest-rated quarterbacks. He was the first one. It was a bust. After that, Ryan Leaf. So we had some in there that disappointed Tim Couch. But of the, of the highest-rated ones, it was Elway, Luck, Manning, now Trevor. Greeny and Mel Kuyper as the, uh, the indistinguishable voice, the uh, unmistakable voice is what I meant to say, uh, of Mel Kuyper again, whose mock draft is up right now on ESPN Plus and he's projecting trades. Let's then talk about the two quarterbacks who played in the championship game. You got Justin Fields on one side, who I think suffers for a couple of things. 
One, Ohio State had a ridiculous season, just ridiculous. The COVID just wreaked havoc with their season. They never really got into any sort of a rhythm, and so he did not always look spectacular. The other thing that I think he suffers from more than that is that people look at Ohio State, they say, on a night, on a game-in, game-out basis, they have so much more talent than the teams they're playing every single week that maybe it's a little easier for him, and thus what he's doing isn't as impressive as it might be in some other places. Are, are, is that a legitimate question? And give me your sense on Justin Fields. Well, they all have talent around them. I mean, now let's face it. Nobody had more talent than Joe Burrow did. And how's that affected him? Right. You know, you think about what Tua had. You think about what Mac Jones had. All these, quarter, these quarterbacks have talent around them. BYU had talent around Zach Wilson. Uh, it wasn't like he was out there on his own. Trevor had talent around him. As I said, it wasn't as much this year as it had been in the previous two years. And he suffered in the Ohio State game because of that. Uh, to answer your question about Fields, Greeny, Fields was, did have a season that was certainly anything other than normal. Uh, he certainly, in the Northwestern game, did not have Chris Olave, which was a key element there. He was off his game. He didn't look right against Indiana. He didn't look right against Northwestern. But when all the pressure was on him to showcase whether he is, in fact, a overrated quarterback or the real deal, that was against Trevor, against Clemson in that semifinal game. And he was spectacular even after he got hit by Skowski. So I think he showed that. When he come out, came out of high school, he's 1-1A one a with, with, uh, with Trevor. And that, that, even going in this year, I talked to you in August, he was 1-1A one then. Mm-hmm. He didn't fall back that far. People want to act like he's a late first, second round guy. He's not. He's going to go high. I think it's the, the comparisons to me would be Josh Allen. Same criticism of Josh they're saying about Justin. Same criticism of Justin Herbert they're saying about uh, Justin Fields. So to me, it's anticipate, project where he'll be. And in two, three years, if coached up, and Vinny Serrato always told me this, Greeny, he said that's why they have coach before their name. If you're going to, if you're going to only evaluate players on what you see, you're not doing your job. Anybody can see a guy in college and so I can tell you what I see. It's what he's going to be. How do you project the player determines who the great scouts are and who the mediocre scouts are. And so you're projecting Justin Fields high, and most people are, and he will go in the top ten somewhere, no question about it. Another one mm-hmm. who is moving up like crazy is Mac Jones, and it seems to me he's the quarterback from Alabama, for those who didn't watch it, and numbers were off the charts this year. And I've talked about him a lot on this show. I love he's the kid graduated from college with a 4.0 GPA in two and a half years, and he has a master's degree. So all the intelligence and all that stuff, which is such a big part of the puzzle. And when you look at his game, Mel, 15 years ago, he would have been a top two or three pick. But now people will look at him and say he can't run. He can't, quote unquote, use his legs. Just how big a deal is that in the National Football League today? Well, you always want it. People act like this is new, Greeny. Remember Steve Young when he was running his four fives yeah. coming out? It was great to have Steve Young, okay? Joe Montana won, too, as a pocket guy. I mean, it's always been great to have dual-threat quarterbacks who can beat you with their legs. But it's not the only thing you need to do. It's not the only way you can win. Tom, I, I bring up Tom Brady. People say, well, Tom Brady's a dinosaur. Going, well, Tom Brady's 43, and if he's a dinosaur, he still won a Super Bowl. And he can't be as good at 43 as he was at 25, 30. And so he's been winning. Winning all along with this style. He, and I said, Greeny, in my 43 years of doing this, there's only one quarterback that had the worst vertical jump and the worst 40 time of any of the quarterbacks I ever rode up in 43 years, and that was the one and only Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So if they're dinosaurs, they've been talked about that. Tom Brady was a late sixth-round pick. Why? Because he couldn't run, he wasn't athletic, and he didn't have the great body, right? But he's the greatest of all time. So what does that tell you? It was the same criticism of Brady then that we're saying about them now as being dinosaurs. They're, they're, there's always going to be outliers. Everybody 
Everybody's not going to have 4-5 speed or 4-4 speed like Justin Fields. Mac Jones is a guy who's a pocket passer. He's great accuracy, competitor, as you said, incredibly intelligent. He made a play in that Ohio State game that saved the day in the third quarter. It was a two-touchdown game in the third quarter. He slipped, he slide, he moved, he got the ball to Billingsley and let him run 20 yards after the catch. That drive put him up 21, game over. So he, he's, not, he's never going to be Tom Brady, but he's, he's got that style of quarterback that, to me, is not a dinosaur. If Brady can win at 43 a Super Bowl and Breeze was still playing well despite injuries and being 40-plus, they're not dinosaurs. I'm with you. I mean, look, Peyton Manning couldn't run from here to there, and you just said he's one of the best prospects of all time, and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of so all we're time. So say, we're saying that Peyton Manning couldn't play in this day and age. Well, that, that's, really? that's the argument, right? That, that's the point, is that the game is moving away from that. And, and I guess the response to you, Mel, what you're saying is obviously right. I guess the response is, and, and I learned a lot of the stuff from talking to Bill Polian, because he mm-hmm. would always say, look, we can't say, there's always outliers to everything. But as a general rule right now, that skill set is more valuable than it has been in the past. More teams are utilizing it. And so whether it's a, as a tiebreaker or something else, that oh. is a factor that it never used to be. I agree 100%. I agree 1,000% on that. You have to have it. I said this when Brady went back and played the tape of what I said when Brady was drafted. Yeah. He met, you have to have the line. You've got to be able to give these guys, make sure you protect them properly because they're not going to be able to move around like these other guys. And they will. And, and that was always the thing with Burrow that was underrated. Greeny. He beat teams with his legs. This Burrow-Mac Jones comparison is completely inaccurate. Burrow beat Alabama running the ball. He, you know, he's, that's, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's just not a pocket passer. Mac Jones is strictly a pocket passer. So I'm with you. There's always outliers. Maybe he'll be one. That's why I think you look at the other guys and you may move them a little bit ahead, whatever. But I think the thing with me with Carolina is that they, if Matt Rule liked him going into the senior bowl, as I said this morning, Greeny, he's got to like him coming out. So I don't know if the, what the, has not happened with Deshaun Watson. I have no idea. But if, if, uh, if Carolina's sitting there at eight and Mac Jones is on the board, it'll be very difficult to pass them up, pass him up Unless, say, a Fields was there, maybe they took Fields but, or take Fields, maybe Trey Lance. But Mac Jones in New England, knowing the Saban-Belichick connection, knowing he won all those games and Super Bowls with Brady, uh, it would be tough to think that Mac Jones is available after pick 15. Yeah, so again, if you those of you who haven't seen it yet, Mel has all offensive players with the first nine picks in his mock draft, and five of them are quarterbacks. One more quickly, because you project sure. – give everyone a quick look behind the scenes. So the staff of Get Up Today – put together some space in the rundown for me to yell at Mel because they thought I was going to freak out because you have the Jets taking Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida at number four. And I had to tell them, guys, fill that minute somewhere else because I love it. I absolutely love it if that's what winds up happening because if he really is Travis Kelsey, and I just want to talk about him in the context of, of this particular prospect, whoever might draft him. If he's Travis Kelsey – then I think that has become maybe the most valuable weapon to have on an entire offense because it's the hardest thing in the world to stop. No question about it. And that's what you even hear Brandon Bean in Buffalo saying, the one thing we need to get Josh Allen is more production from the tight end position. Baltimore Ravens, you saw Mark Andrews and what tight end position has always meant to them, whether it was Flacco, whether it was Lamar, going back to the Dennis Pitta days. I mean, to me, that, that, that's an un, it was almost, that 
position, if you remember, Greeny, not that long ago, that was considered a dinosaur, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't need tight ends. They were being phased out. Now they're back in vogue. And I think that certainly the Jets, and he's more than that. He's, he's a, he can be an inline guy. He's an under, I would say, an underrated blocker because they can't block. He'll block adequately enough. But he can be an inline. He can be an out, outside receiver. He can be anything you want. I call him a receiving entity. So whatever you want to say about Kyle Pitts, make no mistake, he will be gone within the first five picks guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, the, the comparisons Chris Canty was making today were like guys like Tony Gonzalez. If he's that, then he's ridiculously valuable. And to the point you made earlier, where the game has gone, he's never been more valuable than before. Again, Mel's Mock Draft 2.0 is on ESPN Plus right now. I, I could do this for six hours. Mel, thank you as always. A pleasure. I'll see you soon. Got a lot of hours at the end of April, Grady. <laughs> you better believe it. Listen, and between now and then, we will be ready to go. You're the best. You, Mel Kuyper Jr. I, again, I, you know, I'll tell you a quick story about Mel. So I've known Mel now. I've been at ESPN almost 25 years. So I've known him that long. I've been, worked with him and, and admire him all this time. But I would say of him what Mike Ditka once said to me about Adam Schefter. So Ditka is sitting with us doing Mike and Mike years and years ago. In, in the second to last studio, so somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of like 2012 or 13. And we showed some funny video of Shefty like catching a football and falling down. One of those funny videos they do of Shefty all the time. And I said to Ditka, Shefty's something else, isn't he? And Ditka said, I like people who love what they do. And that's always stuck in my head. And I've known Adam Schefter not as long as I've known Mel because he hasn't been at ESPN. I've known Shefty 15 years. Shefty just loves what he does. He lives for it. He lives for it. And Mel is the same way. You know that expression, go find you someone who looks at someone. Find someone Find someone who loves you the way Mel Kuyper loves this job. He loves it. And it's infectious. I mean, you heard it there and you can't possibly miss it. Uh, I wanted to do one other quick thing before we wrap up for today. And that is, I told you that my favorite story in sports today was about a player who took something silly and turned it into something special. And that player is Antoine Winfield Jr. of the championship-winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you remember that at the end of the Super Bowl, he went over and he flashed the deuces in the face of Tyreek Hill as a little comeuppance for what Tyreek had done to them in, uh, you know, when they played each other earlier in the season. And ridiculously, Winfield got penalized for it. It was a taunting penalty. And even more ridiculously, he got fined $7,800. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Well, good for him taking that ridiculous thing and donating that exact amount, $7,815 to be exact, to support the Buccaneers Youth Leadership Program at Tampa's Young Middle Magnet School. And the Buccaneer Foundation matched that donation. So that ridiculously bad call got this very worthy charity a donation of almost $16,000. And Winfield said, since it got a lot of media attention, it was out there. I wanted to spin it in a way to make it positive. I say, Antoine, good on you. Hey, you know, the best teams start with great talent, but finding the right people can be a challenge. When it comes to hiring, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right candidates for your team fast. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 top job sites. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. So to try ZipRecruiter for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Again, Mel's Mock Draft is up on ESPN+. Plus. I recommend it. It'll help you kill some time. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you back in better than ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.